Hello and welcome back to the Riverdale Recap Podcast. Today we'll be talking about the third episode in Riverdale Season 1, Body Double. I'm Mary Kwiatkowski and I'm joined as always by the wonderful Kirsten McKinnis. Kirsten, what's going on? I am always just in awe of how you can go from so casual and laughing to professional in two and a half seconds and I have been spending the last 26 years trying to become professional. Let me give you a really great little hot tip here. To become professional, all you have to do is write yourself a script <laughs> and then read off of it. Oh, so I should stop improving literally everything. Exactly. Okay, good to know. And now for the person who doesn't need a script to sound professional, Hannah, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, but now I feel like there's a lot of pressure on me to sound professional, so we'll see how the rest of this episode goes. You're great. You have one of those voices that just sounds more mature than other people she and does have a great deep. voice yeah yeah but there's nothing wrong with that like when I hear myself it sounds deep but then I feel like when I listen to recordings of myself I just I don't even know what's going on no that's a science thing where if you have like a higher pitched voice it sounds a lot deeper to you because of like how the sound waves like reverberate in your own skull yeah it's not great it's also why like when I sing in the shower I think I sound amazing or if I sing in the car when it's just myself and it's really loud but then if I ever try to sing in front of other people I panic and then I I can't even do anything and my voice gets all high pitch and squeaky I think that's just regular garden variety anxiety (laughs) something like that I'm happy talking but uh singing not not my fave we'll sing Um, something now face your fears (laughs) no not gonna do I am no Archie Andrews. I am not capable of singing. I think you could probably come up with better lyrics than him since your scripts are so great. That's true. I probably could. But but Body Double, great episode. And for once, I'm going to do this correctly. I'm going to go ahead and tell everyone what the title is relating to. Because as everyone knows who's listening, if you've gotten to the third episode, even if this is your first time even thinking about it, uh, the episode titles in Riverdale tend to be movies or books that are usually about murder or detective or mystery, that kind of thing. And so Body Double is actually the name of a 1984 movie about a young actor's obsession with spying on a beautiful woman who lives nearby, and it leads to drastic consequences. So probably creepiness and murder, which uh, I I don't know if that really relates to this episode as much, but the title sounds good, so sometimes I feel like it's just... It's just about the title. Yeah, sometimes it really relates, and then sometimes it's like, uh, what are you talking about? Yeah, I'm kind of bummed that so far in three episodes, I have not recognized any of these. I haven't seen any of these movies and taken a lot of film classes, but, uh, what was it, 1984? Yeah, must have missed, must have missed all the movies made in that year. I feel like everything is 1973. Whenever I think about a movie, like what I would classify as an old movie, and I look up the date, it, it was always made in 1973. I don't know. I've never noticed what year anything was made so I can't relate but I believe you yeah well it's shocking because there are so many movies also from my childhood that I feel like aren't that old and then I realized that they were made like you know 15 plus years ago so really takes you back um but this episode starts off like the last two with a nice little jughead voiceover and it picks up pretty much right where the previous episode ended, which, if you remember, is when the sheriff and the principal are coming into biology class, and Cheryl admits that she has been guilty for something. So the voiceover says, Guilt, innocence, good, evil, life, death. As the shadows around Riverdale deepened, the lines that separated these polar opposites blurred and distorted. 
I'm guilty, Cheryl said in biology class, but of what? Of what is the real question? Because Cheryl immediately says, uh, hey guys, remember when I just said that I was guilty? I'm not saying I was guilty for killing Jason. So clear yeah. that up real fast. I like we get the instant gratification once again. Um, and then also, I don't know that, why is the principal there? Like, and why is the principal the one who's like, we don't have to do it like this? I, I guess probably just to keep decorum in his school. Well, but why didn't he just go Cheryl Blossom to the principal's office? Well, he kind of, I mean, he kind of did. He said, like, hey, we need to talk to you. But then Cheryl was the one who stood up and, you know, shouted that she was guilty yeah, and stuck her he... hands out to be handcuffed. What kind of principal comes to the class to be like, hey, I need you? They go over the loudspeaker and they go, Cheryl Blossom to the principal's office. And then she goes. Well, this way she can't run away. <laughs> the added dramatic effect. Yeah, something like that. It's dumb. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was... I, it, didn't, it didn't bother me that much, but I, I don't believe that anybody was really thinking that Cheryl had killed Jason. I think they just knew that her story was not adding up with what they have discovered. I don't know. So. I think it's believable that Cheryl could have killed Jason. She thinks they were soulmates. He was dating Polly. She got really upset, was a woman who wanted vengeance, and went a little crazy on July 4th. And had made up a fake story about his death. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I suppose that you could go with that. I, I don't know. I, something about her tears from the last episode at the pep rally made it seem much more like she was really upset about it. And, and we find out also what that home meant and, and everything about her saying that, you know, Jason was supposed to come back. So Cheryl goes and talks with the principal and the sheriff and she says that, you know, she was lying. Basically what happened from her side of the story is that her and Jason, they did go to take a boat ride, but the whole plan was that they were supposed to be faking his death because Jason wanted to run away from home, run away from their family, and she rode him across the river, and he got out, and they said goodbye on the Greendale side of the river. He said that he would call her when he was far enough away that his parents could not catch up to him, and that it would be, you know, a month at the most. And of course, a month goes by, she doesn't hear anything from him, um, but then, you know, when his body washes up, and Kevin and Moose find him, you know, this gives really new perspective about, like, Cheryl didn't think he was dead until that happened happened and so everything we were thinking in the first episode of like why is she not why does it seem like she's acting like she's sad as opposed to actually being sad um you know really gives new light to that yeah it makes a lot more sense looking back but what it does not help with is her behavior for most of episode two right because in episode two, you would think that she would be just completely distraught having found out not only did her brother, you know, it would have been one thing to find out like, oh, my brother did end up drowning or he, you know, starved or something like that. Like, that's a little different. But finding out that he was murdered and, you know, she probably had assumed that he was far away by this point. But the fact that he's now, his body came back to Riverdale, I just can't imagine, you know, how that would be. And so I don't blame her in the slightest for her, her breakdown. And I'm really surprised that she didn't do more than just that. Um, I'm surprised yeah, that she was able to continue going to school and stuff and, and keep hiding the fact that she, you know, like the second her body, the body washed up, why didn't she just come out then and say that she, Well, and you know, why was she at school? Why was she expected to be at school? That's crazy. Well, I guess because it had been, you know, two months and she, I get for the, for the general public, unless she came out and told the truth, everyone would have assumed that like, okay, it's worse because he was murdered, but she always thought he was dead, except she didn't always think he was dead. Yeah, so. but I feel like even then you get a day or two off, like you, you don't go to school when you, you're 
like brother's body just got found it's crazy to me that they would have let her go to school yeah yeah we just don't know enough about cheryl and her family at this point and if they had kept her away from school we would have had to have a scene of someone going to talk to her probably to to keep her tied into the plot but anyway so cheryl also tells the sheriff and the principal that she also heard a gunshot on the fourth of july so now we know archie not the only one who heard this shot archie and grundy and archie ends up actually going and uh like what corroborating is that the right word Yes. Yeah. Corroborating this story to the principal and says he believes her and he also heard this gunshot. And when Cheryl finds out about that, she is really happy that someone seems to be on her side. And we just get kind of a weird scene where Cheryl is telling Archie like, oh, nothing is off the table. I'll give you anything you want. Oh, except for my body. But she says it in a way that made, until she said, except for my body, you're assuming that she's like implying that he can get with her. It's really bizarre. Uh, It is super bizarre. And also great red dress yeah <laughs> again she has a couple in this episode that are like so good i want all of them kirsten just here for the the real tips do you forgive the creepiness in favor of the dresses well i just i don't think it's creepy so much as it's just weird yeah it's, i mean it's a weird thing to say and then it's here's my question is like if cheryl is telling archie it just so happens that archie actually does have like a favor that he wants from her but I'm not really sure what she expected him to want, like money or I I have no idea. Um, This is kind of funny. But she ends up actually hooking Archie up with Josie because Archie needs someone to teach him music stuff. So she she uh, she gets that set up and that pretty much leads into the whole Archie plot line of the episode, which is just a great mix of Grundy and music and all our favorite classic Archie things. It's horrible. Kirsten is laying her head down on her desk. She looks very upset. It's horrible. I hate Archie so much. And I like... Tell me one good thing about Archie. One thing you like about him. He brought... I don't know. I I don't know. I don't like him. Like, I do not watch the show for Archie. Like, well, I guess, like, he has abs, which is cool. But, like, I don't like him. If he wore a toque, would that make you happy? No. He doesn't have the face for that. And it would cover up the red hair, which is his one characteristic. Ugh, I don't know. I just, I think that they were very smart to call this show Riverdale and not like Archie's universe or something along those lines. Because Archie's universe has a great ring to it. Well, obviously that's a terrible name for literally anything. Uh, <laughs> but uh, if it was something that had like Archie in the title, like they were Archie's comics, then it would be like so much about Archie. And I feel like the one thing this show does really well is that they let us get to know the other characters and other plot lines because they are infinitely more engaging. Yeah. Okay, what about you, Hannah? Can you tell me one good thing about Archie? He's nice to the dog. Okay, we got it. Friendly. What about animals. you, Mary? What's your one thing? Oh no, I, I have nothing. <laughs> I, I hate Archie. <laughs> I hate I I hate him. I hate his plot lines. I find him to be unrealistic and boring. Um I mean not that boring's a bad thing, but <laughs> Watch out, the Archie stands will be coming for you in your mentions. No, I mean, I think, I think, I, I wouldn't say this is a spoiler, but I think he gets better. I don't think that's true. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, so Archie, like I said, he tells the sheriff and the principal that he also heard a gunshot, but he does lie, and when they ask if he was with anyone, he says no, that he was just with his dog, Vegas, and... Vegas the spoiler? <laughs> yes, he was with his dog, Vegas the spoiler, for real. Um, and, uh... <laughs> for sure. <laughs> 
And unfortunately, when he when he tells Grundy, when he admits to her that he did tell the principal, she gets really upset and she quits their rehearsals together or their music lessons. And that's why he needs music lessons. And so that's that's where Cheryl comes in and hooks him up with Josie. So it all just it all just fits together. It's beautiful. I do love that we have a conversation with Fred though about about this because you know it gets back to Fred that Archie had told the sheriff you know that he was by the lake on July Fourth and heard this gunshot. And Fred's like, "Hey, um, I thought you were on a road trip with Jughead." So okay, let's break this down. Jughead and Archie are supposed to go on a road trip. Now, was this supposed to be a one-day road trip? Because otherwise, where was Archie for multiple days? Was he living with Miss Grundy? Was he, like, camping? I mean, yeah, I just, like, just realized this part. Because I assumed that he had canceled the road trip with Jughead and never went, and so just, like, continued on his life. But the fact that his dad thinks he went, it's just... I don't know. He was on a sex vacation with his teacher. Mm, my favorite. I, I wish think, my face could be conveyed through text. I think that they mentioned that July 4th was a weekend. Okay, but still, that doesn't account for where he actually was during that weekend. Oh, he was with his teacher. I don't know. I'm really uncomfy about the whole thing. It, it doesn't make me happy. And then also, like, I, I would assume this is just more evidence that Fred doesn't know that him and that Archie and Jughead haven't been friends. Uh, I mean, did he really not pick up on the fact that they haven't been hanging out for like a month or two? He hasn't picked up on anything because he's, I don't know, busy or whatever. Like, I don't know what Fred's up to. Well, we can assume he's busy with his work, even though we haven't seen his work for the last two episodes. Wow, Uh-oh. does that dad even have a job? Mm, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> so Archie gets grounded because of all of this, uh, which makes sense. And, and like, I, I, I don't know, they had a little argument about it. I'm just not on Archie's side. Fred's right. He's been lying, whatever. Uh, he lied about the road trip. He lied about, you know, hearing a gunshot. And he doesn't, I don't think Fred knows about Grundy yet, but just give it time. Um, and so Archie then sneaks out, though, to go and practice with the Pussycats. Or I guess he's he's not really practicing with them. He's just listening to them play. And that's supposed to somehow, like, teach him about songwriting. I'm not really I- sure. <laughs> Well, and okay, here's the thing. I mean, is Miss Grundy actually teaching him music or are they just hooking up? That's my first question. I don't know. Is Archie good at music? No. <laughs> like, we've all seen that he's bad at music. He's bad at songwriting. There's no reason for him to be here. And any time that they try to make him look like he's good at music, they're lying to us as an audience because the writers of this show are liars. So <laughs> I guess he would get, like, if he just needs to listen to people do music couldn't he just listen to a cd at home like why does he have to sneak out or the internet this is set in present time right can't he just like google search how to be a better music writer i think it's unclear at the time that it's actually set like we don't have a true link to when it is but cheryl does mention that she has a twitter yeah i'm sure youtube was there kevin talks about watching making a murderer on netflix so it can't be like it has to be has to be relatively recent yeah um oh yes also was this in in three episodes the second episode with a truman capote reference which is notable yeah well you know two-thirds of the episode so far Gotta throw in those references. Yeah, so Archie goes and watches this, and Josie gets kind of 
upset with him for feeling like he can it's basically just the same speech we got in the first episode with Josie you know saying like we are women of color and you as a white male do not get to write for us and you don't have our voice and Archie's tries to tries to act like he understands what it's like because he worked for her mom's campaign so Josie's definitely I, I was I was standing some some Josie in this. Archie's speech. so problematic on every level. Yeah, although Val does try to stand up for her Archie some. Um, not really sure why. For she wants his D. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's probably true. Who wouldn't, right? And then Archie being like, "No, she's right. I wanted to punch him." <sighs> uh, yeah. So. <laughs> They practice music, and they're struggling over the lyrics, and, you know, beautiful lyricist that uh, Archie is. He tells them to change one word, one word. Instead of saying paintings on the wind, he says, how about paintings on my skin? And they're like, all right, we'll try it. And then all of a sudden, the song is perfect. Was that the one word they needed fixed? It seemed like the song was done. He didn't help write a song. He changed one word. I also feel a little uneasy that they can have a discussion of, like, privilege and not understanding where people are coming from, but then also they have Archie the White Man come in and fix their song in two seconds. Like, to me, that's a little bit of a weird message to be sending. It was very Angelina finds the idol with men's help. It was it was a bizarre message. <sighs> anyway, he sneaks back home, and of course, because he hasn't learned his lesson, his dad catches him, because his dad has caught him every time he's tried to sneak in and out of the house so far. And uh, Archie just acts even more like a child. He's mad that his dad is only feeling this way because it's music, and his dad doesn't understand music, and... Um, I don't know. There's a lot of me rolling my eyes and and being on Fred's side. Yep, pretty much. And then Archie kind of disappears for the whole middle chunk of the episode before he comes back for the taste of Riverdale. Now, given I don't really live in a small town, but have you guys ever been to any kind of function that's at all similar to this? Okay, so what was this function? (laughs) They had a barn and Pops had a booth there where Hermione was working. Uh, The Pussycats performed. Uh-huh. So I think you're just supposed to get a feeling a of, of what it's like to be in Riverdale. But you would think yeah. with taste that they would have more than just pops. Um, seems like there's some cater waiters there, but not too much else significant that really points to Riverdale. Now, and here's my question. Who is attending this event who is not a lifelong resident of Riverdale? Exactly. Because, like, there's a Pops table. Everyone at this event has probably been to Pops. No one's going to be like, oh, oh, a hamburger. I haven't tried this before. Sounds delicious. Yeah, but it's free. Try out Pops sometime. Oh, Oh, a hamburger? What's that? Never heard of it. Like, it's not like, I mean, I can understand this kind of thing if it's like local, you know, artisans and restaurants like coming together and they're featuring things. But then you would assume that it's like inviting people out of town or something to try it but seems like everyone there yeah like you said has lived in Riverdale their whole life um the uh the the lodges are the only really new people to town and Hermione grew up there so anyway Fred meets Miss Grundy and uh they have a little chat they're they're sort of flirting I don't know it seems like Fred is mildly interested in Grundy which is just even more creepy because eh, like that woman has banged his son his underage 14 year old son oh um ew Uh, but here's the other thing with that. So Fred asks, like, do you think that my son can make a career out of this? Do you think he's good at music? And she's like, yes, he's talented. Like, it'll be hard, but like, he maybe he could. And Fred just changes his whole life philosophy based on this two minute conversation with a woman he's never met before, whose musical credentials he has 
no idea of like yeah what? yeah it, I like I. <sighs> I was so on Fred's side. He is correct in grounding Archie and he is correct that like he's not being mean because he doesn't believe in Archie. He's grounding him because Archie has done bad stuff and has been lying to him and sneaking mm-hmm. out and not following his rules. Yeah. And so I don't like the concept, oh, it just took Grundy saying that he was actually good at music for Archie or for for Fred to change his whole tune well and the thing is when Archie's like well would you let me go to a football like play in a football game though it's not the same thing because the football game is like other people are relying on Archie and so he has to be there to be as part of the team which is like a sanctioned school event his weird backroom cuddle music sessions with Miss Grundy only affect him and are just for him and of course he should be grounded from that like well so this is when he asks he wants because he wants to go to the Taste of Riverdale right like of course he shouldn't be allowed to go to Taste of Riverdale that's a fun event (laughs) like you just want to go to a little party and have a burger from props it doesn't even seem like there's any kids there it's just like all the adults in town are hanging out and then, okay, my other favorite part of The Taste of Riverdale is just Alice Cooper is so on point here. She's just living her best life, <laughs> calling out every person. First, she calls out Penelope Blossom because Alice has written, has published her um, Jason's autopsy in the Riverdale Register. And so, of course, Penelope Blossom, who is Jason's mom, is upset about this. And she just, like, smack punches uh Betty's mom right in the face and I you know someone needed to do that it was great but not like two minutes after that Alice has not learned her lesson and just immediately goes up to uh to Hermione and is like hey uh don't you know your daughter is you know being picked on at school and stuff and she's just like taunting her like does Alice want to get beat up Well, and she she talks to Betty so much about how these people are terrible, and she's going around stirring up all this shit. It's um, it's just classic. I, she's just picking fights with everyone, and I love it. So that's that's probably, I don't know. I I might be early to say since we haven't even talked about the bulk of the episode, but probably my favorite part is Alice Cooper, and of course Archie does sneak out again for the third time, and he listens to the song that they sing, and and like. I, I like the song that Josie and the Pussycats sing. I just don't think... It, I don't want to give too much credit for Archie because it seems like they pretty much wrote the whole song before Yeah, no, Archie there. doesn't get any credit. He changed literally one word. It was already a good song. Ugh. Yeah, so whatever. But of course, uh, the lesson that Archie learns in this is do bad things and your dad will soundproof a garage for you to practice your music in. Okay, but also he doesn't even fully soundproof the garage. Like the whole point of that soundproofing is it needs to cover the entire surface of the walls. So yeah, it's cute that he's making these little frames with the soundproofing stuff in them, but he's leaving huge swaths of the wall unsoundproofed. It might help a little bit, at least. It would, I mean, it would help some. It would certainly not do nothing. But it's like, that's, you're not, it's not real. Stop. Just do it right. You own a construction company. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I didn't study soundproofing. But uh, I was just annoyed because, I don't know about you guys, but if I've ever, like, disobeyed my parents, I don't usually get rewarded from it. But Yeah, that's definitely true. And I was, it was one of those things where you're agreeing with Fred, where Archie just thinks he's entitled to be able to do whatever he wants. And then Fred, like you said, rewards that in the end. And it's pretty frustrating. Archie wins. Yay. Uh, Okay. Well, that was, that was it for the Archie stuff. Now let's dive in. Uh, Given the title of the episode, Body Double, most of the 
body double type things, I would say, happen in the Betty, Veronica, with a little bit of Ethel and Cheryl thrown in there for most of the episode. So I know that there have been sort of mixed reviews on this episode. Just broad strokes, what did you guys think of this whole plotline? It was weird. Um, I feel like this whole episode in general, I think, was Riverdale trying to show, like, we are a modern, woke TV show. And I just don't know, like, they tried a lot of stuff. And I think that this is one situation where they would have maybe been rewarded if they'd slowed down a little bit. Yeah. I, so for those of you who maybe haven't watched the episode or haven't rewatched it before listening to this, Veronica goes on a date with Chuck Layton. And it seems like a pretty good date. He seems like a nice guy they're hanging out they take cute pictures together he asks her about her life she opens up um and so does he about his and it's cute then come to find out and and they and they kiss and then come to find out the next day that chuck has posted the picture that they took together and he sort of superimposed like maple syrup covering her face which is like weird and gross and everyone is going around at school making fun of her for getting a sticky maple and it's clearly meant to be you know slut shaming in some way or another and I, i don't really i didn't investigate too much into like is a sticky maple a real thing or like what exactly he was trying to say I don't think you need to read into that too much to get the point but the part that I don't understand about all this is it seemed like they were having a good time like Chuck could have probably gotten a second date out of that or a third or maybe they could have started dating like if Chuck just wanted to get with Veronica and actually do something sexual he could have but the way to do that is not to lie and pretend that something more happened because then of course she's not going to want a second date so the whole thing didn't really make sense to me just in terms of like what his motivation was it's like he wanted people to think that he had done more when he could have actually done more had he just continued hanging out with her yeah and it's also just like in what universe do people make pictures like that to post online like I could see it being more of a realistic storyline of like oh him and Veronica had been talking more and maybe she like sent him a picture where she was like in a bra and panties or like naked or something and then he shares that or if he's like talking to the other people yeah, about if there's like, gossip oh, yeah. or rumors, that would we be one did thing. this. Like if he's starting a rumor, that makes sense to me. But just like the posting of the picture with the like maple syrup smear or whatever, it's first of all, it looks disgusting. Uh, and so it just I I find it very hard to believe that like a 15 or 16 year old boy would actually do that. Well, Which, and that like the rest of the school would be on his side and believe it is just also weird. Well, but he's the football coach's son and he's Mm. captain of the team. Yeah. What about you, Hannah? What'd you think? I think the plot was supposed to be a way for Betty and Veronica to get together, but I think that it was a very strange way of doing it, and this episode overall is pretty cringy. Because if you wanted the message to be anti-slut shaming and you wanted it to be about girl power and, and, and all that kind of thing, that's great. I agree with all of that. But I almost think... I, I'm trying to kind of say this. I almost wonder if it would have stuck better if Veronica had actually done something with Chuck. Does that make sense? Because it's like they're slut shaming her, but she didn't actually, you know, they kissed. Like it, nothing really happened. Um, and so the message is kind of like, don't don't spread rumors and don't believe things that didn't happen when it could have been, don't slut shame, like even if people do stuff, you know, like that's none of your business and it, and it shouldn't matter. I don't know, there, there, there was almost like a stronger message in there that didn't even come out. Yeah, I think they played it safe by wanting to be like, oh yeah, uh, this can happen to you even if you don't do anything. Yeah, and um, I mean, I, I've definitely, I, it's just, it's funny because I think about my life in high school, I had a, 
not exactly the same situation, but basically I had a situation where I had, I had kissed a boy and then he had gone to school and told people that more happened. Funny thing is I didn't even find out about it until like weeks or even like a month or two later. I, I, there was definitely, you know, there was a rumor, but I didn't even hear about it until later. And then when I did hear about it, I just sort of like cracked up laughing and I was like, oh yeah, no, that didn't happen. That's really funny. Um, but I, it, it was not like the whole school was spreading pictures and, and sending things around and people are commenting on it and believing them. Like it, it just wasn't, it wasn't the same level, I guess. It, it seemed really unrealistic. And the vengeance that people had, so they had her scrolling through and reading the comments, it just didn't make sense for people who don't even know this person to just jump on a bandwagon of saying she's disgusting. And it, it's, it's so frustrating because there's such the stark, like, oh, they're not, they're not even applauding him for having this quote unquote conquest. It's just, she's disgusting and, and everything her, which is the whole slut shaming thing. But I, yeah, be, but it's, it's, it's just, weird because they are, they are treating Chuck like, oh, Chuck's fine. Like, oh, that's gross that he was with, you know, this person and that she did that. And they're not saying like, hey, Chuck, like, it's gross that you would post this picture. It's gross pe- you would tell people about it. And, and here's the thing. I want to make it clear. Like, I'm not saying that this doesn't happen. It, it probably does happen. I mean, not with a picture of maple syrup, but like this kind of thing probably does happen. And people probably do make comments like that. And, and there's probably people who have had similar situations. But it's more of, I'm not sure why the show did it this way and that this was, you know, the the premise for their lesson. Um, I think it was the safer way to approach, like, the topic of slut shaming. And, like, I think that they had good intentions, but it just, it didn't quite hit the mark. Yeah, so it was it was interesting, um, but it definitely came out to a little bit of controversy uh, for a couple of reasons. So, like you were talking about with the comments, yeah, the comments. Um, we we had a couple scenes where you you could read sort of what the comments on this post were, and so Lena Marie says, "You've got to go." V, stop giving us a bad rap. You know, Mike Golliger says, "Wow, fam, how ratchet is new girl?" Bert Cook says, "Leave Ardale, please. You're gross." take your sticky self back to NYC where rats can eat you because you don't have an apartment anymore. Like, you know, who ordered the nasty girl? Not me. Cheryl even says, I usually pity the poor, but, um, so there, you know, it's kind of like none of these. Chuck even says, can we vote this hot jalopy off the island already? Which, thank you for the, um, survivor reference in there. That was kind of cute. But other than that, like, why is Chuck commenting on a picture he posted of his supposed conquest saying like, yeah, can we get rid of her you know he's it's not very um, bizarre it's it's really bizarre uh so yeah it just doesn't it doesn't make any sense what chuck's angle is to all this veronica's very upset and she gathers betty up and says you know if, if you want to support me on this because betty wants to like go to the principal and betty wants to maybe expose him in the paper and, and she says no if you if you want to support me you need to be ready to go full dark no stars hardcore let's get revenge and uh and so they sort of approach chuck in the locker room and are yelling at him the best part of the scene is just betty like covering her eyes walking into the locker room that's kind of cute uh but uh, like every single guy seems to be just acting like a jerk like no one is standing up for her and and that's something else that i just don't think is super realistic is just that like no i think that is pretty realistic because like when you're in a big group of people and if everyone is saying one thing it is not easy to be the one person who's not and especially when they're all in like a team i'm assuming there's some sort of like brotherhood thing like yeah 
Uh, I think that that's like pretty realistic that they would pick Chuck's side. I'm not saying there should be one person to stand up, but I think it's just the whole premise that every guy on the football team, I mean, football teams are big. Every guy is okay with this. You would think it would be like maybe half the guys are, maybe half the guys aren't. I yeah, don't but know. even if they're not okay with it, they might not feel comfortable speaking up because he's the coach's son. Yeah, that it's that's definitely probably the strongest the strongest reason why. The girls also run into Archie and it's also a questioning as to why doesn't Archie stand up for them at all? Yeah, I mean, you would think that Archie at least would, uh, given what we've seen of him, that he's, you know, cares about them and is somewhat chivalrous and doesn't seem to care about his place on the football team. But as Archie's trash. He's terrible. <laughs> yeah. So Betty finds a group of other girls who have had similar things happen to him, and that is where we meet Ethel Muggs, who is played by Shannon Purser. Barb from Stranger Things is probably where most people have seen her from. I never really watched Stranger Things, but I did recognize her, so that was kind of cool that we got another character. Ethel is a another comic book character from the Archie series, and uh, so cool that they're incorporating more people, because there's definitely a lot of, like, just sort of extras that you see, like all the other girls who are in this room, but I'm glad that the one we got was was an actual character from the comics. Ethel says that they, the football guys have a playbook where they keep score about all of their different conquests, which is just like, boys are so stupid in this show. Like you don't keep record of something. Don't, don't have evidence if they're trying not to get caught. But But they're also high schoolers, right? So we can't give them too much credit. Yeah. Um, and then Cheryl shows up and she's just being the worst and is, I don't know, she she doesn't believe this because she, you know, her brother was co-captain and she doesn't believe that, that Jason would have condoned this. But she also says things like, oh, boys will be boys and, you know, let them do their thing. And, and calls the girls sluts. Yeah, so Cheryl is also the worst in this episode. But And then uh, later on, Ethel brings Trev Brown, who we find out is Valerie's brother. And uh, they just seem basically Valerie and Trev are apparently just like the two best people in this school. Trev seems like a really sweetie pie. He tells them that he quit the football team when he found out about the book, but the book is definitely a real thing. So Betty, Veronica, Ethel, Kevin, and Cheryl all sneak into school and they end up finding the playbook and realize not only is Veronica in there and... And Ethel's in there, but Polly was also in there and under Jason's name, which I think is when, you know, what finally kind of enlightens Cheryl to like, maybe you didn't know your brother as well as you thought you did. Well, and I just like, again, this is something where it just like happened so fast that they just like found what they were looking for. Uh, and like, oh, Polly's miraculously like so easy to find in this giant ledger. Like, right under here. Ethel. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. We don't know how many pages were actually written on, but, but yeah, so this really sparked something in Betty. I think that she was, you know, feeling like she wanted revenge for um for veronica but now that her you know she's finding more about her sister she you know she's been told by her parents that jason hurt polly and we don't know if that means physically emotionally what but something happened between them that was really bad so this is really betty really starts to want justice and uh we get another great alice cooper scene with betty putting on red lipstick and alice like wipes the red lipstick halfway off her face from behind is is really great i would literally kill someone because it is so hard (laughs) to get red lipstick off your face off of yeah. your face yeah um but betty goes to pops and she finds chuck and she kind of tries to seduce him and invites him over to ethel's pool and hot tub and i'm telling chuck like chuck this is a trap don't go to ethel's house you should know better but he goes there and then veronica opens the door which is like strike two chuck you have now you know two things that seem suspicious if betty just wanted to to get with you i don't know this is not the way that it's so dumb and it's like why would they be at ethel's house ethel obviously 
really like wouldn't have any reason to do anything for Chuck when Veronica opens the door her like line about like we decided we're done fighting over boys and we need to learn to share disgusting it's like Uh. yeah it's just like the classic like oh this must be the boys fantasy or whatever um I don't know but but yeah so Betty comes out and she's wearing a wig and it's a short black wig she's got the bright red lipstick on and she's sort of wearing a lingerie style skirt and brassiere where Um, the hell did she get that Any of it. I need to know. Probably in Alice Cooper's closet. (laughs) Maybe not the wig, but the rest of it. Like, did she already have the wig or did she have to go buy the wig? Where did she go? Why did she choose, like, the worst wig? Like, I'm sorry, that is not a flattering cut of hair on her. But this wig reminds me, and this is totally off topic, but I'm telling you this story anyways because it's the most incredible thing I've ever seen. So I went to a drag show last night and one of the local queens, she came out in long black hair. And while she was lip syncing, she did a wig reveal. Now, if anyone watches RuPaul's Drag Race, they know, don't take your wig off unless you have another wig underneath. And she had a short wig underneath that looked almost exactly like Betty's wig here. But then she took that wig off and she had waist length blonde hair underneath. And it was the most incredible thing I've ever seen in my life. And wow, I like am that's like a surprise ending. I feel like warmer towards Betty's wig as a result of this drag queen. I- now we need Betty and waist length blonde hair. She needs to tear off that wig and then it's long. Yeah. Like, like, here's the thing. I like that Betty's wearing the wig. I'm down with the whole that part. I just don't think that that's, I don't know. I don't, like, it, it seems like she's trying to channel Veronica. I don't know. What teenage boy is into, like, oh, yeah, let's, like, get into costumes? I know. They're, you know... I, don't judge people are into I'm no all I'm no I'm things. not judging like people can have whatever kink they want to have as long as it's consensual but it just seems like normally when you're like 14 15 and you're pretty new to sex uh you don't really get too creative for a while oh gosh 14 <laughs> it's so young yeah so uh, Veronica looks at Betty like I don't think Veronica knew that Betty was going to come out in the wig at the very least uh, she also looks kind of shocked by this whole situation and speaking of non-consensual so Betty's plan which again this episode like if you want them to get revenge if you want the guys to get in trouble if you want them to have girl power and supportiveness you're doing it by saying oh yeah then Betty's going to roofie Chuck and handcuff him and threaten to kill and torture him with like heat death I I don't I don't know I just like I had a hard time being like yes I'm on Betty's side she's doing the right thing let's torture them yeah the torture I don't think is ever the right thing to do yeah but uh but they they do get a nice video of Chuck saying telling the truth and saying that nothing happened with Veronica so that was good and we can assume that was spread around the school but then things go off the rails a little bit more Betty is getting all worked up she is calling referring to herself as Polly and calling Chuck Jason and uh she pours syrup on his head I liked the syrup part that part was good but that was so weird yeah it it seems like she's she's getting a little bit out of control like maple syrup is supposed to bring joy to your life not be wasted (laughs) for torture like make some waffles what are you doing Oh, I love waffles. I love waffles. Good times. So at school the next day, Polly, sorry, I wrote Polly. Uh, Betty appears to not rem- remember the, uh, the the thinking she was Polly stuff. You know, Veronica calls her out on what all she was doing the night before. And Betty's like, yeah, that didn't happen. I, I definitely don't remember that. <laughs> and uh, so I don't know if we're supposed to believe that she's just denying it or if she actually blacked out for a little while. I gotta believe she blacked out. Yeah, it was a stressful situation. Plus, you know, there was a, it was very hot. They were by a hot tub. There was a lot of heat. You know, probably heat could have, and torture. I think affects know, the memory. 
probably. But uh, it turns out Chuck, he's um, he's kicked off the football team. And expelled. So, and expelled. So things are good. And we get a nice little... <laughs> well, and that's the other thing, too, where it's like, is someone really going to get expelled for cyberbullying? Like, I'm not saying that it's okay, but I didn't realize that was an expellable offense. Like, I feel like all of the consequences and the stakes of this make it seem like he's a straight-up rapist. Well, and not only him, but also every the his five goons is how they're referred to, and they get this whole full walkout where everyone's watching them, which is... I, it just doesn't seem like these sort of things typically happen the way that we're seeing in Riverdale, which... It's a television show, so I don't know if we're supposed to get that Yeah, you just have to feeling. accept the fact that it's a TV show. Yeah, I mean, it was a fun scene. You've got all the girls standing there, hashtag justice for Ethel. But there's there wasn't like a... Also, I'm not really sure why it turned into a justice for Ethel. Oh, Ethel, you're the bravest of them all. Like, I thought we started this because of what he did to Veronica, so... I don't really know. I mean, she, she, you know, handed over her house and her pot, hot tub. But it was abuse, her so. testimony. She said that, like, solidified it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, good news. Betty and Veronica are now a pair forever. And uh, they they burned the playbook with Cheryl. So. Forged from the fires. Nothing bonds you like torture, okay? Um, and here's the one thing that really is that me. Is that literal because of the handcuffs? Oh, God. <laughs> Unintended, but very good. Okay. So they're burning this book. Now, this is a book made of paper. It's a burn book. It's they're, flammable. They're you could you could just light it on fire. Why do they need so much friggin' lighter fluid to burn it? Like, what are you doing? I was really hoping the trash can would just explode or something. Oh, my God. And they're all, like, hospitalized for the rest of the season. Yeah, that was a good time. Okay, well, that was really the bulk of everything. I just want to touch on a couple things because there actually is a subplot going on in this episode, which leads to the end of the episode, which is the Jughead subplot. We get our first Jughead and Betty scene where the two of them are talking, which uh, I think pretty much confirms, no, Jughead is not a fiction or a um, a figment of Archie's imagination. Jughead's a real person. and I, uh, I think everyone might be a figment of Jughead's imagination, though. Yeah, that might be true. Uh, this is the whole thing. It's going to be like the end of the last season of Riverdale. Oh, it was all in Jughead's mind the whole time. Oh my god, they would totally do that to us. Yeah. <laughs> so Jug- uh, Betty wants to restart the Blue and Gold, which is the school newspaper, and she wants Jughead to be a part of it. And it's kind of weird because I think she wants him to write articles, but it's like the articles are what he would normally be writing for his book. So not sure in terms of like copyright with the school I don't know how much uh, intellectual property they they control but if Jughead ever actually was going to turn that into a book not sure how that works Jughead seems down though you know so they he start seems doing like that. reluctant but interested yeah and so Betty tasks Jughead with his first mission which is to go check out Dilton Doily which is the thing no one is talking about um they were the other people known to be at the river the time of Jason's murder and so he spends the whole episode basically tracking Dilton down who is a adventure scout leader um we heard boy scouts in the first episode but now apparently it's just adventure scouts because they realized that uh they needed to not do that I guess so I guess that's but no cigar. Yeah, that's our close but no cigar for this episode is the Adventure Scouts. Well, and Jughead also refers to it as grizzly training. Yes. So I'm not sure what grizzly training directly 
relates to, but maybe it's the level of Adventure Scout. Um, but yeah, he talks to them, and Dilton Doily's like, yep, no, don't know anything, didn't see anything, didn't hear anything, uh, except for some birds, and it was a good time. But Jughead notices a kid in Grizzly Training who seems to be sort of shifty-eyed, and so <laughs> Jughead just, like, finds this kid at Pops, where this kid is enjoying a nice Sunday with his dad, and Jughead just, like, pops down at the table and steals this kid's ice cream and he's also sitting in the most obnoxious like way. An he's owl. Like an He's owl. Yeah. He's like, he's on his feet. His feet yeah, are on the, perched. The, the bench and he's like perched up there crouching. It's really Ugh. weird. He's um, trying to make himself seem bigger and more intimidating. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I just like to think that Jughead just hangs out at Pops at all times and like just typically steals people's food. It's great. But yeah, so this this kid says that uh, Dilton was teaching them shooting and then Jughead uses that information to confront Dilton again and Dilton admits to, yes, I was doing it, but he doesn't want it to be published in the newspaper because he could be, you know, he could lose his license and everything and, and you know, I I guess that's a misdemeanor probably yeah and it's where we also find out that dilton is a hardcore survivalist who's like we need to be prepared for the end of the world good good to good to know that in episode three and uh but by the end of the episode we actually do get some confirmation from dilton and he says i've got something more interesting a better story that no one else knows and betty and jughead agree to listen to this story and to not publish the shooting stuff and his story is that he saw mrs grundy's car down by the river's edge dun 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 yeah I, I don't know why she chose such a conspicuous vehicle to use to have sex with her students in she couldn't yeah. have rented like a toyota corolla well i just like the fact that dilton saw her car he didn't see them and so i don't know where they were because i feel like he definitely would have seen them it's not like the car has tinted windows well, well but if he saw them from a distance or if they had fallen asleep or something in the scenes that we see of them they're on a blanket but I'm pretty sure they're right next to her car. So it doesn't make sense why yeah. he would not have seen them. Maybe because oh, they were Oh, maybe they're down. behind on the other side. Yeah. Maybe. But anyway, so now Jughead, I mean, Jughead already knew this, but now Betty does. And now that it's out, he can't really protect Archie and Miss Grundy anymore because people are probably going to pit put two and two together pretty quickly and that was the end of the episode so another decent I would say the episode as a whole while I question why they did what they did exactly and you know just went about it that way it's I like the fact that it's a it's showing us what Riverdale can be as having a standalone episode that doesn't is not completely full of everyone you know doing one plot that's going to push the series forward like this whole Chuck Clayton plot line was very separate from the Jason murder stuff and really the Jughead tracking down Dilton is pretty much all we really get in terms of Jason murder plot line yeah and it's really nice to have that change uh from especially the second episode where it felt like it was going to rely so heavily on each episode being linked yeah it was it was nice to see that they could they they do have the ability to break apart and and do try something different so now that we've talked about the episode let's just go through and talk about a couple things uh the new characters we had in this episode Vegas the dog who is in fact Archie's dog in the comics Chuck Clayton who we I, I don't think we really got I don't think he was named in either of the first two episodes. I think this is the first time he might have been in the background of some shots, but... Yeah, I think this is the first we really get to see, like, yeah. him as who he is. So, Chuck was first added in 1971 to the comics as a means to add more diversity. So, that was great that they did that. Um, he doesn't appear to be a bad guy in the comics anywhere near as much as he seems to be on this show. He's just sort of one of the yeah. friends. Well, it would really be a, a bad look if Archie Comics was like, we need to add diversity and have a black character. Let's make him a villain. 
Uh, yeah. So they really couldn't have gotten away with that. Which is another reason why the the path they took with him in this episode was kind of uh, cringy. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's not great. But and then and then Dilton Doily, who was added in 1950 as the smartest teen in Riverdale High. Um, in the show, it seems like he is not actually supposed to be a student at Riverdale High. He seems like he's supposed to be a couple years older, maybe out of school. I'm uh, pretty sure when we see him at the Taste of Riverdale, he is drinking something. So I think he is supposed to be older than the other kids oh i didn't even notice that i feel like he seems so much younger than all of them he seems it but there's definitely like we never see him at school and then we have ethel muggs who is nicknamed big ethel in the comics though apparently they stopped doing that in the 1980s because thank you for stopping to do that i mean i I looked at the pictures drawn of her she she doesn't appear to be like you know i mean she's not a stick figure like betty and veronica are but she seems to be a very normal sized person so i don't don't appreciate the nickname big ethel um but she was put in in 1962 and her main feature is that she has a big stalkery crush on jughead jones so interesting maybe we'll get some of that in the show uh we've already mentioned that our close but no cigar for this episode is adventure scouts being very close to boy scouts what do you guys think was the cringiest part of this episode i know there was a lot um, other than the entire episode, I would say um, when Betty is pouring the maple syrup over Chuck and calling him Jason is by far the cringiest for me. Yeah, so I definitely felt like the interrogation was pretty cringy. But then as we were going through, I remember the part with Jughead just like taking over this little, this boy's Sunday it's just very weird, and I don't think that it's the winner for this episode, but I just want to say it is pretty cringy. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, like, cringy is not necessarily the word I would use to describe that, but it's definitely more just, like, what on earth is happening? This is ridiculous, and this is not a thing. His, I would say his stance in the chair is more yeah. cringy than anything else. Yeah, I, I had written down the uh, the maple syrup and also the comments. I personally think the cringiest thing is just the picture of Veronica. Like, it's... It's not a great picture to begin yeah, with. Yeah, she looks terrible. Um, or she doesn't look terrible, she, but it's not a like great picture. She just doesn't look happy. She's not smiling. Yeah. And then just the the like superimposed maple syrup on the picture, I think it, that that's the part that really just That is also very cringy. I tend to think the interrogation's a little cringier, but I'm fine either way. Yeah, yeah, all of that. Basically anything involving maple syrup in this episode. Ugh. Yeah, just maple syrup. Like why are they why do they have to take something so <laughs> amazing? We know, we make know, it you love maple syrup. Horrible. Like, ugh, it's just wrong. Okay, and uh, how about for the most normal per- person of the week? I vote for Penelope Blossom. Uh, she kind of <laughs> throws shade at the sheriff and mayor saying, what the heck are you guys doing to find my, my son's murderer? And then Alice Cooper, this little person that... <laughs> Mary seems to really love, comes up, tries to stir the pot a little and gets punched in the face. And I just think for a grieving mother, that's like a pretty rare reaction. Yeah, she seems to be the only one who's actually acting like she's grieving. A little weird that she went to Taste of Riverdale, but I guess maybe if she's like trying to, life doesn't stop, so. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think that's good. And I think there can be something to be said for uh, Penelope may not ever get the most normal person ever Ever. again so might want to give it to her now yeah i think it's her only shot i'm i'm definitely not opposed to that 
Are there any other even contenders in this episode? Um, I would give it to Fred, except he loses points because he was doing a good job the whole episode, but then he loses points for giving in to Archie at the end. So I had some. I, I, I had written down Sheriff Keller from the initial interrogation with Cheryl, where he's pretty. I don't know if strict is the right word, but pretty. Oh gosh, I can't think of the right word. Strong in his interrogation, where he's just yeah. trying to get down to what actually happened, which also seems like something a sheriff would actually do. Yeah, kind of trying to cut through the crap with her a little bit. So um, he does a good job uh, with that. I think I think he does also lose some points, though, for, like, not getting anywhere with this murder. And it's a small town, and you would think that he's, like, why, I don't know, why is he going to the kids? Why is he investigating her? Why is he not, you know, looking at the people that we've mentioned previously that he should be looking at, like Polly or whoever? I mean, personally, but, I think Alice is making herself seem really suspicious, but... This entire murder plot line is just doesn't make sense to me like it seems like it's a pretty messy like murder there should be more leads should be should be but there aren't all right then well you can check out our lists our rankings of the most normal person of the week and the cringiest parts of the episode on our website kalskicast.com that is cal with a k and we also keep track there of the close but no cigars that's really it for this part of the episode we're going to do a really quick little spoiler update after we close this out so if you are all caught up with season two and three feel free to stick around for that if not you can follow me on social media if you would like at Frail Mary and you can follow Kirsten at Kirsten said what and Hannah is at Hannah VE with that is Hannah with no H on the end but four N's for all of you who would like to follow her on Instagram and please for the love of God send us some suggestions for a better Instagram handle have you tried Hannah have you tried looking and seeing if you could get just like your first name and like your new last name I don't want my full last name on there but maybe or like some, <laughs> something related to your your full last name. <laughs> something something related to that or something related to pictures. I just feel like there's more we can work with. <laughs> like I that said, being said, I have no suggestions. Yeah. <laughs> um, feel free to check us out everywhere and look into anything else we might be doing, which we will probably be tweeting out when that happens. Yeah. Uh, other than that, please leave if you don't want to hear it be spoiled. <laughs> Get it in Okay, now that we're in the spoil section, don't have a whole lot today, but just a couple things I wanted to touch on that have to do with season two and three. A couple things that I didn't notice until I watched this again. One of the comments on the Sticky Maple post is written by Tony Topaz. What? Oh, what? Yeah, that's a nice little thing. She just says, no gracias on it. So. Yikes. That's great. Um, although I, at first I thought it was going to be a bigger deal because I I was thinking that it was a picture of Cheryl, but it's not a picture of Cheryl. So it's not actually as, as interesting as it could be. I'm trying to remember, does Tony even really have a relationship with Veronica? Like, they don't really have many scenes together. Mm, they go investigate the uh, fizzle the drug lab. lab. Well, and they, they're the ones who break Cheryl out of Sister of the Quiet Mercy, right? Isn't Veronica the one that goes with them? Oh, yeah, I think so. Um, I know that, I know that, uh. I know that Tony's there for that. So, you know, people make up, um, and and it's uh, just mostly I was interested that they had thought to put Tony in. I don't know if they had already knew at this point when filming that they were wanting to make Tony a character on the show, but she is, she is in the comics, so... That was cool that they added her in. A couple other things, discontinuity things. Pretty soon, in only a couple more episodes, we find out that Fred had a band. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, um, 
how does he not understand the music thing? Yeah, they either had not remembered that Fred had a band, or they didn't know that they were going to write that in, or what, but it, it really doesn't make much sense um, to why he would be, it, I, unless you're just supposed to believe, like, oh, he does understand music, it's all in Archie's head that he doesn't. Well, so, so and this could also go back to where, again, we get the Breakfast Club and the flashback where Fred, you know, is wants to be a musician and is not very serious about sports, and then the tragic thing happens where he's out and his father passes, and that makes him tighten up his act and drop the music so maybe it's more of his tie with not being able to separate his his what happened to him from the music yeah maybe he's he's kind of moved on and and maybe wants to you know sort of toughen archie up and, and get him more thinking about the real world and and stuff like that so that's definitely a possibility alice being all slut shaming is clearly just her you know trying to distance herself from her old life and you know her her reputation in high school and so once we find out a lot more about that in the flashback episode it makes it makes some of the stuff alice is doing now even more uh over the top i would have loved to have seen alice get into like an actual fight because i have to believe she could really hold her own that's something that I think would have been really cool to put in the flashback episode was her getting into a, a big fight. Although she was pregnant, so maybe they didn't want to touch that situation. <laughs> and then the the other thing that I thought was kind of funny that I didn't think about until we were talking. People get syrup poured on them a lot at Riverdale. Why is it the preferred form of torture in Riverdale to pour maple syrup on someone? Maple syrup is not cheap. But it's a hot commodity in Riverdale. That's what the Blossoms fortune is based on. You know, the syrup Well, no one the they drugs. have a fortune. They sell so much because of the torture <laughs> so out of the two we we see chuck getting syruped here and we see penelope blossom getting syruped later well, which one do you think is uh is better penelope's but the penelope one at least makes sense because it's like oh yeah cheryl that would be what she has on hand to do a, a torture with yeah yeah makes sense betty also uses like the betty crocker version of maple syrup which is just yeah it's not even real maple it's syrup. it's not like, even good mm. syrup <laughs> no and it's like does not look thick enough when she's pouring it on chuck yeah there's no way that was actual maple syrup you think they really yeah. got someone to have maple syrup poured on them that was like probably like corn syrup mixed with something else probably it was gross anyway um well that's really all i had for spoilers is there anything else you guys wanted to mention i can't think of anything there wasn't much else to do in this episode yeah since this episode was kind of a standalone episode it doesn't relate as much with with the other plot lines but if any of you listeners had anything else interesting that you saw from either a rewatch or a first time watching uh first off if it's a first time watching why are you still listening right now if you're not caught up but but please let us know and we love to get feedback feel free to reach out to us feel free also to rate us on itunes if you would like we love those five star reviews and ratings and we'll read them on the podcast podcast if you do so so you get attention which is what everybody wants exactly so please feel free, feel free to on. um send us anything and, and we'll plug you so not plug you we'll plug it <laughs> whatever you said whoa <laughs> anyway uh that's really all for this week so we will talk to you again for episode four bye Nothing bonds you like torture, okay?